Chapter 7 of A Problem in Modern Ethics by John Addington Simons. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. Chapter 7 Literature Polemical. Part 3. Some observations may be made on Ulrichs's theory. It is now recognised by the leading authorities, medical and medico-juristic in Germany, by writers like Kasper Liemann and Kraft Ebing, that sexual inversion is more often than not innate. So far, without discussing the physiological or metaphysical explanations of this phenomenon, without considering whether Ulrichs is right in his theory of anima muliebris inclusa in corpore virili, or whether heredity, insanity, and similar general conditions are to be held responsible for the fact, it may be taken as admitted on all sides that the sexual diathesis in question is in a very large number of instances congenital but Ulrichs seems to claim too much for the position he has won. He ignores the frequency of acquired habits. He shuts his eyes to the force of fashion and depravity. He reckons men like Horace and Ovid and Catullus among the ancients, who were clearly indifferent in their tastes, and indifferent as the modern Turks, to the account of Uranodionings. In one word, he is so enthusiastic for his physiological theory that he overlooks all other aspects of the question. Nevertheless, he has acquired the right to an impartial hearing, while pleading in defence of those who are acknowledged by all investigators of the problem to be the subjects of an inborn misplacement of the sexual appetite. Let us turn, then, to the consideration of his arguments in favour of freeing earnings from the terrible legal penalties to which they are at present subject, and, if this were possible, from the no less terrible social condemnation to which they are exposed by the repugnance they engender in the normally constituted majority. Dealing with these exceptions to the kindly race of men and women, these unfortunates who have no family ties knotted by bonds of mutual love, no children to expect, no reciprocity of passion to enjoy. Mankind, says Ulrichs, has hitherto acted just in the same way as a herd of deer acts, when it drives the sickly and the weakly out to die in solitude burdened with contumely and cut off from common sympathy from the point of view of morality and law he argues it does not signify whether we regard the sexual inversion of an earning as morbid or as natural he has become what he is in the dawn and first emergence of emotional existence you may contend that he derives perverted instincts from his ancestry, that he is the subject of a psychical disorder, that from the cradle he is predestined by atavism or disease to misery. I maintain that he is one of nature's sports, a creature healthy and well-organised, 
evolved in her superb indifference to aberrations from the normal type we need not quarrel over our solutions of the problem the fact that he is there among us and that he constitutes an ever-present factor in our social system has to be faced how are we to deal with him has society the right to punish individuals sent into the world with homosexual instincts putting the question at its lowest point admitting that these persons are the victims of congenital morbidity ought they to be treated as criminals it is established that their appetites being innate are to them at least natural and undepraved the common appetites being excluded from their sexual scheme are to them unnatural and abhorrent ought not such beings instead of being hunted down and persecuted by legal bloodhounds to be regarded with pitying solicitude as among the most unfortunate of human beings doomed as they are to inextinguishable longings and lifelong deprivation of that which is the chief prize of man's existence on this planet a reciprocated love as your laws at present stand you include all cases of sexual inversion under the one denomination of crime you make exceptions in some special instances and treat the men involved as lunatics but the earning is neither criminal nor insane he is only less fortunate than you are through an accident of birth which is at present obscure to our imperfect science of sexual determination so far ulrichs is justified in his pleading when it has been admitted that sexual inversion is usually a fact of congenital diathesis the criminal law stands in no logical relation to the phenomenon it is monstrous to punish people as wilfully wicked because having been born with the same organs and the same appetites as their neighbours they are doomed to suffer under the frightful disability of not being able to use their organs or to gratify their appetites in the ordinary way but here arises a difficulty which cannot be ignored since upon it is based the only valid excuse for the position taken up by society in dealing with this matter not all men and women possessed by abnormal sexual desires can claim that these are innate it is certain that the habits of sodomy are frequently acquired under conditions of exclusion from the company of persons of the other sex as in public schools barracks prisons convents ships in some cases they are deliberately adopted by natures tired of normal sexual pleasure they may even become fashionable and epidemic lastly it is probable that curiosity and imitation communicate them to otherwise normal individuals at a susceptible moment of development therefore society has the right to say those who are the unfortunate subjects of inborn sexual inversion shall not be allowed to indulge their passions lest the mischief should spread and a vicious habit should contaminate our youth 
from the utilitarian point of view society is justified in protecting itself against a minority of exceptional beings whom it regards as pernicious to the general welfare from any point of view the majority is strong enough to coerce to inborn instincts and to trample on the anguish of a few unfortunates but asks ulrichs is this consistent with humanity is it consistent with the august ideal of impartial equity are people sound in body vigorous in mind wholesome in habit capable of generous affections good servants of the state trustworthy in all the ordinary relations of life to be condemned at law as criminals because they cannot feel sexually as the majority feel because they find some satisfaction for their inborn want in ways which the majority dislike seeking a solution of the difficulty stated in the foregoing paragraph ulrichs finds it in fact and history his answer is that if society leaves nature to take her course with the abnormal as well as with the normal subjects of sexual inclination society will not suffer in countries where legal penalties have been removed from inverted sexuality where this is placed upon the same footing as the normal in france bavaria the netherlands no inconvenience has hitherto arisen there has ensued no sudden and flagrant outburst of a depraved habit no dissemination of a spreading moral poison on the other hand in countries where these penalties exist and are enforced in england for example and in the metropolis of england london inverted sexuality runs riot despite of legal prohibitions despite of threats of prison dread of exposure and the intolerable pest of organized chantage end of chapter 7 part 3 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey